Hi, I'm Margie Namora, and welcome to the Desert Island Dishes podcast. This is the podcast where every week I ask my guests to choose their seven Desert Island dishes. These range from finding out about the dish that most reminds them of their childhood, the best dish they've ever eaten, and of course, the last dish they would choose to eat before being cast off to the desert island. I hope you're all well and that you've had a lovely week. If you haven't yet left a five-star rating for Desert Island Dishes and you've been enjoying listening, then consider it your good dude of the day. (laughs) I read all of them and it genuinely does make such a big difference, so thank you. My first newsletter went out last week, and now I hope very much it's going to be a weekly occurrence. There's going to be an exclusive recipe in there each week, plus little bits and bobs that I think you might be interested in. From what's in season and what you can cook with it, homewares worth lusting after, podcasts, books, and everything in between. If you like the sound of that, go to desertislanddishes.co and you can sign up for the newsletter there. The more the merrier. And it just feels a bit more intimate and fun than social media does. So I'm glad I'm finally doing it. Without further ado, enough waffling from me. Here is today's episode. My guest today is Isaac Carew. Isaac is a chef, Instagram sensation, and has also been working as a model for the last decade, modeling for some of the world's biggest fashion brands. He's been described as a chef turned model turned chef again. He trained at culinary school for two years and received his big break in 2007, cooking alongside Angela Hartnett at the Connaught before being scouted as a model at the age of 22. He is one half of an impossibly cool and glamorous duo with his girlfriend being the music superstar Dua Lipa. In 2018, Evening Standard named him as one of London's most influential people in the tastemakers eat and drink category. Welcome, Isaac. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I like the description of a chef turned model turned chef again. Mm-hmm. Those aren't necessarily two careers that people would assume. I think assume. I might be the first. Oh, yeah, I think yeah, so. Hopefully. But you hear it a lot that people are like, ooh, how do those two things go together? Yeah, I definitely think, I think most people think that every single model just eats like kale salads and yeah. doesn't really eat much and eat a lot of pasta. Whereas I, on the other hand, eat a ton of pasta. I'm one of the big things in my book is fresh pasta. I've dedicated 20 recipes to fresh, fresh pasta, making pasta at home. And yeah. So yeah, I think it's quite refreshing to hear that models do eat carbs. Like they're mm. not the enemy. So you were brought up in Hackney with dreams of becoming a gardener by all accounts. (laughs) So let's talk about the first desert island dish. And that's the dish that most reminds you of your childhood. Mm -hmm. I would say it would have to be my mum's cauliflower cheese, but it wasn't a normal cauliflower cheese that she would put loads of veg because I was kind of vegetarian at home. Okay. So my mum used to cook a lot of vegetarian food. And I would say, so it was cauliflower cheese with like peppers, peas, and I think as a kid, obviously as a chef, I kind of, I want to taste everything. I want everything. But as a kid, I still didn't like veg that much. And I think that's why she tried to put all the veg and cover it with a load of nice cream, cheese, bechamel sauce. So I think that, I think that's the one that most reminded me of my childhood. That sounds really good. And you say your mom was quite a thrifty cook. Yeah. Were you vegetarian? Was it you that was sort of dictating the vegetarian? No. So my, my mom's the vegetarian. We'd only ever have chicken on a Sunday. So she would make Sunday roast. But apart from that, I was vegetarian. And at school, 
the vegetarian meals were way nicer were than they? like the chicken drumsticks and all that kind of rubbish. So I think that's why we're vegetarian. Yeah, that is quite often the way, actually, yeah. isn't it? So both your father and godfather worked in the food industry, with mm-hmm. both of them being chefs. And you say you knew from a young age, from the age of about seven, that you wanted to work in food. Yeah. So let's talk about the second desert island dish. And that's the first dish you learned to cook. First dish I learned to cook. I think I cooked it for my mum. And I actually got it out. It might have been from a Nigel Slater book. I'm not too, don't like quote me on that. (laughs) But I think it was pork chop with like a cream and apple sauce. I think it was. That sounds good. Yeah. So like cook down the apples and add, oh no, that was it. It was pork. Then you cook down the apples, added cider vinegar. No, cider, cook that down, then add a load of cream. And I actually think it is Nigel Slater recipe, but I think that was the first one. And how old would you have been? young set like eight seven nine yeah around there yeah so you're yeah. really in the kitchen from yeah definitely age. yeah my mom was like kind of my taste dummy and i the things like some of the stuff that i used to i used to make was obviously tasty but other stuff was just like <laughs> i feel sorry for my mom having but to try it did she always pretend it tasted really good regardless yeah definitely <laughs> so having got your sight set on cooking your first job in the kitchen was aged eight when you convinced your dad to give you what was described in one article i read the cinderella roll which i thought was kind of nice in his kitchen where you clean mussels and pick greens what are your early memories of that time working in the kitchen a lot of fun i i, I love being in the kitchen i love watching my dad work and I just, I kind of, I just, yeah, I love the atmosphere of a kitchen. On the other hand, my dad would never let up. So he he always said that he would kind of, well, what's the word? Uh, he was quite strict with you, wasn't he? No, strict, strict's the wrong, wrong word. But he would, he would never let up on me. Like he would always give me the hardest time compared to another chef because he didn't want other chefs seeing me kind of having the easy ride. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and didn't he try to dissuade you from becoming a chef? Uh, a few times, yeah. yeah. He was like, you know, it's eighteen hours. It's a lot of hard work. You're always on your feet. The money isn't that great, especially at the start. But at the same time, I knew I loved food, and that was my passion. So I went, I went for it. Do you think almost like him trying to put you off it just made you want it even more? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I think I just I saw his love for food as well, and I just. I wanted that for myself also. Yeah. You say that you're quite dyslexic and you Mm -hmm. you struggled at school, but from all accounts, it was food tech in which you excelled. Yeah. So I guess that kind of set into motion the inevitability that you would become a chef. Mm -hmm. Become a chef you did as you went to culinary school for two years. You went to Thanet College in Kent, which you say you chose because it's where Gary Rhodes went. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) So is he a bit of a food hero? Um, So at the time when I was young, it was him and Jamie that were kind of my food heroes. And because I was quite naughty at school, I could have went to Westminster in London and followed Jamie's footsteps, or I could have went out of London and kind of had a kind of fresh start. So that's why I went to Thanet College. Oh, I love that. And have you met yeah. Gary? I haven't, no. On the no. list. Needs Maybe, to yeah. Yeah, he inspired you. Yeah, definitely. I like that you said in an interview, the only other subject you enjoyed at school was history because you like learning about the Tudors and how their whole lives... Did I say that in the interview? Yeah, because you said they were having banquets all the time. <laughs> like, you loved it. I mean, it is true, but I don't remember saying that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a very thorough <laughs> researcher, Isaac. I don't know if you've been warned. Let's talk about the third desert island dish, and mm-hmm. that's the best dish you've ever eaten. This is a tricky one. There's so much to choose from. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to pick a country for, for, for the first thing. Um, you can give us a few different options. First, 
Do you know what? I recently tried uni. Ooh. And I absolutely adore uni. It's so like sea urchin. It's absolutely delicious. But that's a bit like Marmite, isn't it? Some people either love it or hate it, but you loved it. I loved it, yeah. I do where, love it, yeah. Where did you have it? That was in, I can't remember the name of the restaurant, but it was in a restaurant in South Kensington. Actually, yeah. on the way there, I walked, past, me and my missus walked past Le Boucher's, a restaurant I used to yes. Saturday at for my dad so it was quite funny seeing it's not the Lubusha anymore it's something else but it was quite funny seeing that on the way to another restaurant because I hadn't been there since I was you know 14 yeah 13 14 that's so weird and it's all come sort of full circle Mm. what so the sea urchin we're going sea urchin I think I love yeah that Um, also I had some really gorgeous ricotta and truffle agnolotti at a restaurant called Lina Stores in Soho that's so good I'm going to have those two as my current faves. Yeah, Those are both good options. So you started working in a gastropub in Kentish Town and then your colleague sent off an application form for you to work at the Connaught under Angela Hartnett. Tell us a bit about that. Is that really how the story went? Yeah, for sure. So basically I was kind of, I was obviously I had this job, but I was kind of searching for a new job. And then one of the chefs was, oh, you should do mission star food. I was like, no, it's not really for me. Like the money wasn't great either. And then, obviously, I think it must have been the head chef, but they basically sent an application form to actually Gordon Ramsay Company. So I didn't know what uh, restaurant it was going to be for. Okay. Anyway, and then had an interview with them and then got the job at the Connor. And they were like, they just pushed me forward. They wanted, to, wanted me to leave. They're like, this guy's just left college. <laughs> we Obviously, this the restaurant in, it was called the Junction Tavern, doing amazing food, but they didn't want, they wanted me to learn a lot more than I was learning there. I mean, that's the story they told you, Isaac. They might have just wanted you gone. Just, yeah. <laughs> Good point, actually. Good point. Um, when you say that you weren't sure if sort of fine dining was for you, what was it about that? That sort of, was it the pressure? I think it was, yeah, just the pressure of, obviously there's always pressure in kitchens, but I think there's a whole another level of pressure when you're doing Mission Star or yeah. food of that standard. So I think, you know, I think, with a lot of people, new things or new new ventures are always going to be scary. So I think I must have just been a little bit scared, you know? Yeah, it is scary. And tell us what it was like working for Angela, who is quite possibly the coolest woman in food yeah. slash the world. She, she's <laughs> absolutely amazing. I have a lot of love for Angela. Um, I just remember the first, I think it was week or two weeks, I thought the actual experience of being in the kitchen was quite hellish. Like, I was learning so much. It was so fast paced. I was having loads of fun, but at the same time, I was incredibly tired and just, because obviously your brain's working a million miles an hour, learning all these new recipes and how to kind of cook things on their level. But Angela herself, I think she's almost like, to me, from, I haven't seen her in about 10 years, but from what I remember, she's almost like a mother, she was like a motherly figure. Um, and I was learning so much from her and all her other chefs, but I think she's absolutely incredible. And I had loads of fun at the Connaught. She's amazing. And she's basically who taught me my love for pasta. Yeah. I mean, what a person to learn from. I found a quote where you said exactly that. You said she was slightly like a mother in one sense because you were quite a young boy at the time. Yeah. But at the same time, you would never want to cross her. And I Oh, no, definitely not. Did you ever cross her? No, definitely not. <laughs> I wouldn't want to. Never either. It's just, obviously, chefs are, you know, a funny bunch. But, you know, she was just very, very to the point. Yeah. Okay. She runs a tight ship. Yeah, that's the one. It's so hard to convey what working in a restaurant's like. The environment is really unique. I think it's sort of high stress and adrenaline filled. Did you ever have any cooking disasters in that kitchen? Uh, I had a few. Yeah. Are there Uh, any you can tell us about? One, 
Do you know what? I, I got asked this recently and I didn't tell them, but I'm going to tell you. Okay. <laughs> so one time could have possibly nearly set the kitchen on fire. Oh my God. So I basically deglazed the massive pot with a, I think it was brandy or something. And then the whole, it was, I basically put way too much brandy <laughs> and basically the flames were so high that they nearly went into the extractor fans. Oh my goodness. And could have set the whole place because we were in the basement so we could have i could have set the whole oh place my God. On fire. and it was during service no this would have been probably like an hour before service because we've been in the morning yeah was angela there no luckily Oof. not yeah. <laughs> every cloud has a silver lining <laughs> um okay it's the fourth desert island dish the most important question of the day mm. what is your favorite sandwich my favorite sandwich would have to be on the day after christmas day oh yeah leftover christmas sandwich so you've got Brown granary bread, yeah, mayonnaise, Dijon mustard, cranberry sauce, uh, stuffing, sage and onion stuffing, yeah, turkey. Quick tip: get cauliflower cheese. Kind of mush. It's, it's still cold, so it's kind of mush up into almost like a like a spreadable cheese. Ooh, that on the other layer. Yes, and then <laughs> I think there's one thing I'm missing. Da, 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 da. I mean, it sounds. I want to say I put watercress or maybe rocket in there as well. You're pretending to add a bit of green. <laughs> yeah, just for just for color. We got the red in there, so that's cool. Yeah, I'm going to say watercress because I think that peppery will be even nicer in that sandwich. That's my favorite sandwich. So good. It's pretty banging, right? Yeah, so good. Do you think one of the reasons that we all love that sandwich so much is because it's sort of once a year? Yeah, I think it has yeah. to be done as well. Yeah, yeah. Just, it's like yeah. better than the day before. Yeah, it's definitely better event. than the roast. Yeah, mm. way better. So you said that your dream is still to have a restaurant of your own. Yeah. What would it be like? What will it be like? I definitely want to do sharing plates, family style. And I definitely think I want a lot of pasta. Yes. So I, I kind of want a pasta restaurant, but at the same time, yeah, I want a pasta restaurant. Yeah, because you're a big fan of Padella, aren't you? Yes. So would it be Padella and Lena Stores. Promise me this. Will you have a restaurant where you can make a reservation? Oh, are you a fan of the sort of not being able to book? Yeah. Who are you? I'm on, I'm on, I'm on. Undecided. Yeah. I'm 50, 50. Do you not find it annoying? Like having to queue? (laughs) Also kind of bookings are also annoying because then people cancel. That's when you prepare a load of things. Whereas if you've just got the queue, you're kind of almost going to always be busy. I think you're going to be busier if you don't have a reservation. Yeah. I think maybe as the customer, it's more annoying not to be able to book. But if you're the restaurant owner, that's a good system. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so maybe that's what you should do. I'm so actually... We're brainstorming. I'm really 50-50 on this, though. <laughs> okay, well, we can talk... Because a lot of times, let's say when I go to Padella, I go there, especially if I go by myself, I go there a little bit earlier, and then normally everyone's in twos, so I always get bumped up the queue. Oh, that's a good there. tip. So, but obviously, if you're with a bunch of people, then it can get a bit... Yeah, a bit okay, but that is a top tip. Go to mm. Padella on your own and yeah. you get bumped up. Exactly. So the Connaught, of course, is part of the Gordon Ramsay group. And you, yep. you say you met him a few times during your time in the kitchen. Do you mm. remember what he said to you? Yes. Uh, he was a fan of your risotto, wasn't he? Yes. I think Andrew actually told him that my at the time my risotto was really good. Oh, God. So he came over <laughs> and I remember getting a spoon out of my back pocket because we all have our tasting spoons in our yeah. back pocket. And I remember getting my spoon out, going to dip it into the risotto what to give to gordon yeah yeah. and obviously he was like he, he said something along the lines of like are oh, you not going to wash that spoon in like the hot water and i think he said like you're not going to wash that spoon you dirty bastard <laughs> so i then washed it the game thing and he said yeah it's banging and then for some reason i don't know what how this got put into context but he basically then went and said uh are oh, you sh- you're too you're too tall 
You're too tall to be in a kitchen. No, you're too lanky to be in a kitchen. You should have been a basketball player. Oh. Yeah. What, how tall are you? A six foot three. Okay, so yeah, yeah, I guess you could have been. He, but I think he's actually taller than me. <laughs> oh, he is? So quite, that's quite yeah. a weird thing to say. If you're... Anyway, it was also in Jesse, it was just a laugh, so. And you were really young at the time, like, was he quite intimidating? Well, yeah, it was, you know, Gordon like, Ramsay's coming. Are you shaking? Yeah, no, it's, him it's Gordon Ramsay coming into a kitchen and I'm like, a, what, I must have been 17? Yeah. 16, okay. yeah, 17 at the time. No, I was just turned 18, so I was 18 years old. Gordon Ramsay, like, you're meeting Gordon. Like, I used to watch Boiling Point as a kid. That like, is pretty mental. Did he shout at you? No. <laughs> he raised his voice. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say shouting. <laughs> so, okay. So after working at the Connaught, you went traveling and you had a stint cooking in Miami. And after that, you came back to London and got model scouted outside yeah. Selfridges. I love hearing these kinds of stories. How did that come about? Was it literally a random person walking up to you and telling you you're good looking and you should be a model? Yep. So <laughs> it was my, so that my then, so she became my booker at Nev's. But she was some random girl. I'd just come out of Selfridges and then this little girl, basically I could hear her like heels running along. She came around, <laughs> tapped me on the shoulder. I was like, excuse me, are you a model? And I looked kind of bemused, turned around. I was like, no, I'm a chef. Da, da, da. And then she was like, well, would you like, have you ever thought about modeling? I was like, nope. So then she gave me a card. She was like, call me, come into the office. We'll set, a me- we'll set up a meeting. I left it for a couple of weeks. I got in touch with my sister who's done a bit of modeling. And I was like, do you know if these guys are legit? Cause there's a bunch of, you know, fake agencies. Yeah, around. You hear so, I was horror like, yeah. so I was like, let me just make sure these guys are legit. She was like, yeah, they are. End up going in. And then my book was like, why didn't you call me sooner? Blah, blah, blah. We end up signing the contract. And then, yeah, I've been modeling for nearly 11 years now. Yeah. I mean, that's a crazy story, but mm. I guess that's how it always, what tends to come about like that, doesn't it? And modeling, I mean, it sounds like such a tough industry. You describe having to go to six interviews or auditions a day and often they'd lead to nothing. But what was your big break in the world of modeling? Um, big break. I would say, if I remember rightly, I got a Top Man campaign and I think I got a TG Bedhead campaign kind of around the same time. And I think after I got those, because obviously that's when I was on my like, my first kind of billboards. Then after that, I got a few editorials. Then I went and done Paris Fashion Week, then Milan Fashion Week. And then it just kind of spurred on from there. But I think, yeah, probably Top Man Campaign was probably my big I mean, break. being on billboards must be very surreal. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I remember the, so one of the first times, no, not the first times I went to New York. First times I went to New York by myself. And I remember my mate being like, oh, I think you should go to Times Square. Went to Times Square, looked up and there's me on a on a massive billboard, like the big one on Times Square for a um, Swatch campaign. Oh my yeah, goodness. So that was pretty That's wild. Crazy. Yeah. And so when that was happening, what were you thinking about like chefing and modeling? Like how did you figure it was going to work together? So at the start of modeling, I only thought I was going to be doing it for like a year, maybe two years. Just to so earn just some money. Put, yeah, just to earn some money. So I put chefing completely on the back burner. I wasn't you know, doing it. I thought I was going to go back to it in like a couple of years. And then because the modeling was, I was doing so well, it just kind of got further and further. And then it was like three years, four years. And it got, I think around eight years of modeling. And then I realized as much as I love modeling and traveling around and meeting great people and kind of work for amazing clients at the same time, I'm not doing what I really love and what is my passion. And that was food. So I basically started thinking of ways of to kind of reincorporate that into my life started just posting things on instagram and then my mates were like oh you should like you know make a website so then i designed a website called the dirty dishes started learning photography done my all my own photography food styling and then from that a couple of stories were written about me about 
the model who eats carbs. Okay. <laughs> Big story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then from that, a few people saw me and then I got a book deal and I've been working on my book, The Dirty Dishes, for about you know, a year and a half now. So exciting. Okay, let's pause there and talk about the fifth desert island dish. And that's the dish you eat the most often. Do you know what? Sunday, I have a, I have a Sunday roast nearly every every Sunday. Oh, do you? And a sticky toffee pudding oh, every Sunday. So good. Apart you... from yesterday. Oh, why? Yeah. What happened yesterday? I don't know. No. Just, Bad day. Yeah. I actually, oh, do you know why? I took my mate for burgers. Oh. Yeah. That's... So what would be in your normal Sunday roast? Like, do you have a speciality? Um, no, I just beef, roast beef. Uh, horseradish cream, cauliflower cheese, roast potatoes, Yorkshire puddings, roasted parsnips, gravy. Pretty standard, but yeah. on point. Standard, but good. Yeah. So Dirty Dishes is the name of your website and your first cookbook. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about how the name came about. So the name The Dirty Dishes came about, actually at first it was called Spilt Milk. Okay. I literally spilt milk on a table. And I thought way. that could be a good name, but there was a few other businesses with similar names. So I thought, let's let's have another rethink. And then the dirty dishes, I was just really bored of kind of loads of books being clean eating, healthy eating, that kind of thing. And I just wanted to be different. And although, you know, there are healthy recipes in my book, like salad and stuff, at the same time, the reason it, I think I'm just trying to get the love back to food and just let people enjoy what they're doing and have fun with the recipes yeah so it's quite a clever name in many ways because it is sort of the opposite of clean eating but also yeah it's just sort of doing something different and also i don't say this very often but also someone once said that oh yeah you're a bit of a dirty dish oh right from the modern <laughs> thing so i thought you know what that's quite funny so <laughs> i like that i mean yeah. as good a reason <laughs> and also when you're cooking you do get a lot of dirty dishes you do get a lot of dirty dishes <laughs> how much do you enjoy washing up um if i've cooked and made a gorgeous dinner i rarely do the washing up but i do find washing up quite therapeutic oh you do yeah i, yeah, I always think that's I'm not actually the biggest fan of dishwashers oh okay. and when you do do the washing up you have to rinse after you've got you can't just put it in the to dry with when it's like soap covered in suds. suds yeah you need no. to rinse that again okay. some people they need to be taught <laughs> I, like, I like how passionate you got about that <laughs> but yes they feel your pain okay so i read that um you said that Dua Lipa is also a very good cook and yep. that the first thing she made you was some really good salmon with roasted vegetables mm-hmm. but what was the first thing you cooked her do you know what? i don't actually remember really? the first thing i cooked her but i think just because i think i've done more of the cooking although we take we do a lot of, you know, we, we kind of take, um, we take turns. I think I've done more of the cooking in the relationship. So, okay. you know, I've cooked so many things, but I can't pinpoint the first. Does she have a favorite of your dishes? Nearly all the pasta I've made her. Yeah. She loves a nice bowl of pasta. I've made her my prawn burgers from my book. She loves those. Um, oh, there's just so many yeah. things, yeah. And talking about the book, how long did it take you to write it? I would say the last three months were like, full-on work but completely i would say the book probably took about just over a year and has writing a book always been something that's sort of been in your mind like when you started in those restaurants did you think oh one day never i could have never imagined that i would ever have a cookbook so having this is just absolutely mind-blowing and it's yeah quite overwhelming yeah it must be like amazing to actually have a tangible thing in your hands it's incredible everything like the recipes that i've worked hard on all in one place it's just you know, I've looked at the likes of Jamie, Nigel Slater, Gordon, all these other chefs and just grown up with their cookbooks. I never thought I'd have one myself. Yeah. I've always dreamed of having a restaurant, but not a book. So, 
Yeah, it's quite cool. cool. And has there been a standout dish in there that everyone's just like? Um, at the moment, sticky toffee pudding, crab linguine, my prawn burgers, dirty lasagna. Yeah, I think they're, they're the standout ones so for now. So good. And as if all of that wasn't enough to be getting on with, you've also come out with your own hot sauce. I have. Yeah. How, yeah. So how did that come about? Um, so I've got a hot sauce recipe on my book. Yeah. And the one I've got in, in that I've bottled is slightly different. I've got a few secret herbs and spices in there. Okay. Top secret recipe. So basically, if you haven't got enough time to make a load of sauce yourself, you can buy it in a bottle. I'm actually currently making a few other flavors of sauces. I can't tell you what they are yet. Okay. But, and are um, you sort of you're obviously the brains behind it but then mm-hmm. are you are you doing everything like is it your your do you have a source business like- um well i'm obviously the source is almost kind of a one-off to kind of release with the book okay and now it's turned into a company and i've got a couple helpers and we're basically growing the business and it's going to be a, a source business yeah. yeah that's so cool hopefully I- pass the sources down the line yes yeah, that kind of thing. You heard it here first. Yeah. Well, maybe not, but <laughs> um, but I like that you have some good um, Tabasco facts, I guess, because they're like one of your 90, competitors. 90% water. Yeah, is that really true? Yeah, it's true. I hope it's true. Like, someone no, might call it. me out, but yeah, I no. believe it's true. 95% yeah. water, yeah. 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 Okay, so you were taught to make pasta by Angela Hartnett, yeah. the best of the best, and it features heavily in your book. I think pasta is one of those things that people are a little bit intimidated to make, but it's actually much easier than people think. But what is your secret? to perfect pasta um my secret to perfect pasta is to take your time don't rush things have confidence in yourself and your ability to make it and just have fun you know it's really not that hard all you're doing is mixing eggs flour a little bit of olive oil and then you're kneading it just like a bread dough it's really not that hard and if you don't have the money for a pasta machine you can just use a roller you can use cups and saucers as a as a ravioli maker you really it's not as hard as people think and you also don't need as much money or equipment as you think yeah that's those are very good tips is the flour really important yeah you got to use zero zero flour okay that's it's like non negotiable yeah you got you know you got to be true to the italian roots yeah okay we're on to the sixth desert island dish and that's your go to dinner party dish mhm Oh, do you know what? I'm actually going to, it's going to be, this is an easy one. I'm going to grab a recipe from my book. Okay. And I would say my crab linguine, just because it's a really, really easy dish. You can whack everything in one pan, do it family style in the middle of a table. Everyone can help themselves. Really simple, really flavorful. That one. But then I also... Would you serve a starter? Oh yeah, of course. Uh, What would my starter be? Um... What kind of dinner party is it? I mean, you decide. What kind? Do you throw many dinner parties? Like, what's the? I vibe? get my friends round and yeah. I cook, but I don't I think that's what we're calling it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, if it is a dinner party, though, I definitely want to get truffles involved. Okay, yes. Maybe you like a, a cacio pepe, but with truffles. Yeah. That could be really cool. If it is really fancy, maybe get some like lobsters, caviar. Yes, my god. A little tian or something <laughs> like that. Your That'd friends cool. are very lucky if this is what only, dinner party only if is. this is for a special like fancy occasion. Okay. If it's just my mates come around, then I'll probably just cook maybe like my harissa chicken, uh my prawn burgers maybe again. Yeah. yeah. And would you make a pudding? If it was a Sunday, yeah. I would make probably sticky toffee or I've got a gorgeous um treacle and tamarind tart in my book. Ooh, so I might make that. That sounds That's good. pretty easy to make. And when you're making pasta for something like a dinner party, would you always make the pasta or are you like happy to cook packet pasta? It depends <laughs> on the dish you're making because the only reason so some dishes require dried pasta because it's the way the sauce uh the pasta absorbs the sauce or how it kind of coats the pasta. 
Yeah. And then if, say, if I was making a tagliatelle, then I'll make fresh tagliatelle. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. On Desert Island Dishes, we've got a cookbook corner. So I wondered, what is your most treasured cookbook? Most treasured cookbook would be, do you know what? I just bought a new one. Ooh. It was called Noma's Guide to Fermentation. Gu- Guide to Fermentation. That's a pretty good Is it one. really good? Yeah. Have really you good. had a chance to have a look? I've had a look through. I haven't made anything from it. Have yet. you been to Noma? I haven't. It's on my list. I really want to go. Yeah. It sounds amazing. But you're also a big Anthony Bourdain fan, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kitchen Confidential yeah. was a book. Actually, one of the only books I've read maybe five or six times. Like, especially from, I read that when I was really young. And obviously at the same time, I was kind of coming into kitchens to read that and kind of see it in real life as well is quite incredible. Yeah, I think he inspired a no, whole generation. Yeah, definitely. He's, he, he, well, he was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Okay, we're on to the seventh final desert island dish. And that's the last dish you would choose to eat before being cast off to the desert island. Do you know, I'm just going to have a massive sushi platter. Then I'm going to have Caribbean chicken. Mm. Uh, I'm going to have jerk wings, curry mutton, a festival, <laughs> beef patty, a Guinness punch to drink. <laughs> um, what else can I have? What What is just before I go? So when yeah. I'm on the island, I'm eating like wherever I find ants yeah, and stuff. Yeah, depends how good you are at oh, well, so I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm going to have that. Then I'll probably get a burger. <laughs> maybe like a blue cheeseburger. Where's the best burger you've had? Oh, there's a few. At the moment, there's two places. One is Patty and Bun. Mm-hmm. They do incredible burgers. And the other one, I can't remember the name of it. It's in Spitalfields Market, but they do aged beef patties. And then they do, I think these things called suicide fries, which is French fries. I believe they're called suicide fries. French fries, melted blue cheese, and then Frank's hot sauce. Honestly, (laughs) I could eat them all day long, every single day. Absolutely incredible. Okay, so both those burgers are going into the final meal. Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. And then how are you going to round off the meal? Round off what do you want? You can have a pudding. Dessert. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, you looked at me um, like I was... mean, I've, I've, eaten, I've eaten quite a bit. I know I'm going to okay. a desert island, but I am. Spread out over many hours. Mm. But you don't have to have a pudding. I'm not a pudding pusher. <sighs> do you know what? I'm going to have a rhubarb and apple crumble. We've just custard. English custard, not creme anglaise. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. got to keep it traditional. <laughs> Amazing. Isaac Cruz. Right, Those Thanks were desert much. island dishes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So there we have it, another delicious day of Desert Island Dishes. Don't forget you can find me on Instagram at Margie Nomura. Sign up for the aforementioned newsletter at desertislanddishes.co and I think that's all the housekeeping for now. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week. <laughs>